0: Welcome to Engaging ESG, the new podcast that considers what it takes to get ESG comms right and how it can go oh so wrong. From fears of greenwashing and systemic bias to the backlash against woke investing, the risk of getting ESG wrong can be high, but so can ignoring the concerns of employees, consumers, and our planet. I'm Jennifer Owens, former External Content Strategy Lead for Meta Sustainability.
1: And I'm Katie Callens, former Head of Sustainability Engagement at Meta. In this 10-part series, we'll delve into the complexities of ESG communications by tackling your toughest inquiries. We'll explore the pitfalls and opportunities and share practical answers you and your team can use today as you navigate the evolving landscape of environmental, social, and governance topics. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to our new podcast. Welcome to you too. I'm thrilled to embark on this exciting journey with you, Jen. ESG is increasingly becoming an essential aspect of so many business conversations, and yet so many of us are worried about getting it wrong. So I'm really glad we're taking this time to tease out its crucial components and, of course, talk about how to best create real impact, both internally and externally.
0: Which, okay, so brings us to our first awesome topic. So let's start with the fundamentals. What is ESG and why do we need to talk about it? So what is, you know, because you hear people say it all the time, ESG this, ESG that. What is ESG? What What does these letters stand for? Let's start there.
1: Exciting. (laughs) Uh, stupendous, <laughs> sexy, gorgeous, Gals. yeah, all these things, you know, us. <laughs> depending on the day. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, ESG stands for environmental, social, and governance. And the way I like to think about it is a framework, so it measures a company's performance and impact in these three key areas. And that's going to mean different things for different companies, mm-hmm. but at a high level. When we think about E, it's environmental factors like a company's carbon emissions or its water usage, even its approach to things like biodiversity and human rights. When we yep. think about S, that bucket is for social. So those are factors that can focus on employee well-being, like diversity, equity inclusion, now belonging, but also things related to the supply chain, like labor rights and things that relate to investments like community engagement. Mm-hmm. And the G, which I think can be the most nascent sometimes to understand, is for governance. And so that refers to how a company is led and organized. So how is the company's leadership structure? What is the transparency that that company shares with investors and customers about how it's being run, who's on the board, right. and really kind of all things accountability. Mm. Love it. Yeah. And so I know we're going to get into a little bit more of the nitty gritty of what ESG means. But I think before we do, it's worth clarifying that when you hear or see the term ESG, it can refer to two different categories of topics in the business world. One is around business strategy and prioritization. And one is investment. So when we talk about ESG strategy, we're talking about how companies are prioritizing work that relates to the topics of ES and G, and which are of highest priority to the resilience of the business model and also mm-hmm. key stakeholders. Those are both internally, like employees and executives, and externally, we think about maybe customers and investors. And then the second category of ESG is focused on the investment space. And this is the one that has gotten highly politicized in the last few years. This is the woke investing charge, right? Yes, yes, exactly. This is, you would have maybe seen um, information around the legislation that the governor of Florida passed recently against woke investments. And this is the one where you see a lot of articles being written about like, what is the future of ESG? Is it even possible? And that's really around this idea of investments related to assessing companies Mm -hmm. on ESG factors. And it's important. And we're going to talk a little bit about ESG investors in this conversation today. But I think it's important to clarify that most of the topic of this podcast, when we think about business strategy and communications, is going to be on the first use of the term ESG. So the former because that's
0: what we worked on. We worked on, you know, we're kind of talking about the business operations or the business to brand and how it shows yes. up and the like, and that's the first. So, you know, yes, we're not exactly. investor relation folks because those people, how many SEC filings do you want to work on? I'm going to say none.
1: <laughs> none. I would like to opt out of all SEC <laughs> all filings, please. opt out.
0: Can I do that on my GDPR, opt out on every website? <laughs> no SEC filings. Thank you. So, well, so now, and here's the thing, you know, none of this is new, right? I mean, this is really about, you know, back in the day when I was running the best companies initiatives, we were looking at workplace policies and then that started to get rolled up under the diversity team and the diversity team became D&I, D-E-N-I, I, D E and B. And then there were, uh, and that's been evolving, All of this also went through a phase of corporate social responsibility. And you see these companies, some companies stay with CSR, some companies, you know, split it out and the like, but there's this constant evolution. And no matter what, though, all of these topics, companies worry about getting them wrong. I almost feel like that's what unites them (laughs) more is the fear of of stepping into a mess of their own making. So in some ways, it seems to me that it's kind of odd to drive them all together, I don't know, maybe they're just trying to put it all in one spot so that you know the mess can be over on the right. Uh, I don't know. What, what do you see is driving the roll-up, I guess?
1: Yeah, no, I think, Jen, that's exactly the case. There's probably a lot of listeners right now who are having deja vu, yeah. but this is not <laughs> a new concept but merely an evolution of kind of this concept that we can call purpose-driven business. Mm, and yes. ESG as kind of the umbrella topic for this work of how companies are trying to do less harm and more good. There's mm-hmm. a lot of uh, you know important initiatives that companies can undertake to make a difference in the world, but they're also going to need the legitimacy and the license to operate to start off with. So you can't right. just start, donating a bunch of money to a company or a community rather that like doesn't trust you. Right. So, I like, think right. there's a lot around trust and reputation and those need to be kind of the table stakes mm-hmm. to actually then doing good. And you know, you just mentioned some of the other terms that ESG has been referred to in the past. I'll also add to that list corporate citizenship, oh, sustainable yes. development, broader sustainability. And, you know, sometimes these terms are used interchangeably and other times they're used to subtly meet in different things. But our opinion and many of our colleagues' opinion, you know, is that in 2023, the main way we're seeing the industry discuss this work is through the terminology of E, S, and G. So mm-hmm. that's what we're going to be focusing on in the pause, like podcast. But yeah. if you see information or, uh, you know, impact reports by companies that use other terms, it's highly likely that they're meaning similar things. And so, you know, that is the world of alphabet soup that we yeah. are all uh, moving around right now yeah. in this space. And if you are confused, you are not alone. That is also a side benefit of this <laughs> contest, a, a, we're a unifying principle. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> well, um, and because we yeah. see people talking more. So back in the 90s, when I, I was at Women's Wear Daily, and there was a big push around sweatshops, around trade issues of, you know, made in America. And they, they would always say they couldn't get the consumers to care. You know, price was a driver going through yet another recession at the time. And so that was kind of burned into my soul. They will never care. They will never care. I think we're in 2023. It's very different. I think they do care. And I think a lot of different stakeholders for a company
1: care. Definitely, and it, am I, think I making that, that up? <laughs> no, you're not making that up, and I think the way in which they care has really evolved. Mm. You know it used to be this kind of fear of reputational risk, but now there's all of these impacts around reporting requirements that are also being asked of companies. So it's not only customers that are holding companies accountable, but it's also regulatory requirements. And so quite frankly, it's a lot for companies to navigate, you know, what is need to have versus nice to have. And I think, you know, it gets back to some of the first ways that I learned about this work happening was around the topic of sustainable development. And I think it's helpful for me to ground into that definition because it was really this idea that businesses are expected to contribute to the growth and development and needs of society today without compromising the needs of future generations. Mm. And that, you know, this is an expectation of companies to have a significant role to play by integrating environmental, social, economic considerations into business strategies and operations. I think right. when this definition came about, a couple decades ago, it was a little bit more of a nice to have. And now it is really, it is really table stakes. If you are a company that's operating uh, at any sort of scale right now, and you don't have an approach to reducing greenhouse gas emissions or climate, you don't have a diversity and inclusion program, you don't have these things. A lot of Gen Z and this younger generation of workforce aren't going to take you seriously and aren't really going to consider working for you. And employee retention, as well as general reputational topics are huge when we think about this space.
0: And Gen X is just not going to take you seriously anyway. So you, you can't win with us. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's true. That's that's definitely true. One thing that I like to think about a lot in this space is getting into specifics. Yeah. So I think we can talk at a really high level that, you know, there's a host of factors around environment, social, and governance that a company should work on. But Having maybe a specific example could be helpful, Jen. To yeah, because it's not the
0: same for every company. I mean, that it would be so much easier if you could just say it's X, Y, and Z. ESG is X, Y, and Z, but for different companies having different impacts on the world, it's different for everyone.
1: Exactly. And so without getting too far into like nerdy language about this space, there is- Nerd it up, Katie. Nerd it up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So there's something called a materiality assessment that companies undertake to understand within this umbrella, which ES and G topics are most relevant for my company. Another Mm -hmm. way to think about a materiality assessment is like a prioritization framework. And so- what a company does when they undertake a materiality assessment is they understand what topics of the ES&G areas are most material or relevant to their key stakeholders. And so this is a bit of understanding industry business models and where risks lie, but also interviews with key internal stakeholders like executives and external stakeholders like customers and investors. Right. And at the end of a materiality assessment... Basically, you get back this big grid that says, What is most important for us to focus on in the realm of ESG? Where do we have the most reputational risk, business risk? Where do we have big opportunities? And it's a really kind of nice planning tool because it's really easy, I think, in the space to feel like you're going to boil the ocean and you need right. to try to focus on everything at once. And actually, where we've really seen companies. Uh, excel in this space is by having some ruthless prioritization, really understanding which of these topics are most integral to your business and are most top of mind for your key stakeholders and Mm -hmm. focusing on a few and doing those well, and then expanding out. And so, you know, one example that I think is could be helpful for thinking about comparing what could be seen as like apples to apples organizations is, you know, you have an organization like Coca-Cola, let's say, beverage yeah. company, and then Swell water bottles. They're both conducting materiality assessments to figure out what ESG topics are most important. They're both going to have supply chain topics. They're both right. going to have material topics, but different focus areas. And when we think about one focus area in particular, let's say water stewardship, mm-hmm. that's going to be a tier one focus area for Coke because water is a key ingredient to its product. And for right. Swell water will still be within their larger environment ecosystem of prioritized topics, but maybe it'll rank as a tier two or a tier three. And so when Swell is just beginning their sustainability journey or their ESG journey, they will focus on water if they have capacity to, but maybe that's going to be farther down the line because it's not tier one to their business risks and to their stakeholders. And so Really being thoughtful and saying no, which, you know, is hard to do in our social lives and in our yeah. business lives. <laughs> but it's so helpful. It's so helpful, it's too, so when key. we're going to get talking
0: about comms strategies. It's like, yes. let me, you know, you, you'll, you'll drown in the ocean. Watch out for the riptide. You need to know, get your feet on the ground to know what the topics are that are germane to the business. So it, exactly. it, it helps in every way to have that, that assessment done so you know what we're talking about here. Because yes, we would like to do everything well. We're not going to do it.
1: Definitely. And as anyone who's worked in the business world is familiar, you're going to get oddball requests from executives. <laughs> you're going to, you know, there's going to be a new flashy partnership in the news. And so it's very common for sustainability teams and communication teams alike to get pulled in a lot of different directions. Yeah. If you have this Foundational document of a materiality assessment, or in some way, some kind of prioritization framework that you can report back to and say, Hey, you know, yes, love that that's a priority for you, Executive A, but we actually You're are really good at on- saying stuff
0: like that, too, by the
1: way. <laughs> <At these laughs> love that things, for you. But- <laughs> would love to revisit it in six months. Thank yeah. you so much for your enthusiasm. And then that can also help for like the churn internally yeah. as well, because then it keeps people focused on, you know, eye on the prize. Right.
0: Well, so I've seen this happen in other industries where, you know, the customers, their clients, or or they're required by the markets that they're in to report on their policies, their results and i used to do an initiative called best law firms for women and one of the key drivers for big law firms was that their clients came in with diversity metrics and said i got you know my vendors have to meet these diversity metrics i can't hire an all white guy team when our whole goal is to try to increase female representation or black re- representation and so that forced the law firms to do better by on diversity issues so i mean this pressure it was coming from clients but i it, we do see it cu- happening with customers as well
1: yeah definitely customers and their employees oh yeah you know there right. is a lot of very kind of activist groups out there and employees just have higher standards as we noticed noted yeah. earlier for for the companies that they work for and so it's definitely not about esg being a checklist it's yeah. something about really embedding these principles of do no harm, create more good. Ideally, you're really aligning these also to the values of the company. Mm-hmm. I find that's always also a really great starting point so that you can really align the priorities for this work to the direction of travel for the company's corporate and strategic goals, but also yep. the values, which often overlap quite nicely with a lot of the ESG work
0: yeah and because you know you keep hiring younger and younger people and they're more and more vocal. I mean, again, the Gen Xers are like, whatever <laughs> <laughs> Well, so the other pressure you had noted at the top was from major investments, big hedge funds, pension firms, people going into the public markets and evaluating their investments on their approach to all things ES and G. And so that's been happening for a while, too, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, some historical context is always helpful. I see that this work really started to take off in 2018 when Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock, which is the world's largest asset management firm, began to talk about sustainability and ESG in his CEO letters. And in particular, he used this phrase stressing stakeholder value over shareholder yeah, value. so yes, right. Which was a pretty innovative concept to be in the broader kind of business sphere and really saying that it, there was a strong need for companies to show how they make a positive contribution to society. Now, as someone who has been working in corporate sustainability for 13 years now, I have been preaching this to all parts of the business. It, consulting firms and Google and yeah. Neta and the like. But you know, to see a big wig like Larry Fink talking about this on this scale was a huge win for the yeah. sustainability community. And I also think it made a lot of folks in the quote unquote regular business community stand up and take notice as well. And so I think you have this happening in 2018, which is really, you know, sparking a shift in the investment landscape, but also then that Has an impact on how business leaders are driving and creating strategy. And I think, as probably everyone listening is aware, this only accelerated during the pandemic. We have the conversion of a health crisis, record high unemployment, climate crisis issues, social justice reforms happening around the world. You know, even in the face of pushback, Larry Fink and, and other leaders in the business world continue to highlight the importance of business, aligning mm-hmm. their strategies with these environmental and social considerations. And once again, it just seems increasingly like table stakes. This is not just something that is, isn't right. nice to have. If this we is destroy the, pe- the planet,
0: how can we sell things to the planet? It just seems pretty <laughs> yeah. seem gun dry to me, but you know, goofy, just goofy me. So just
1: saying. So, yeah. I mean, Jen, you were just in the Blade Runner skies in New York. Yeah, I was. I really was
0: with the orange coming down. Oh my gosh, it was one of those things where you were like, "This is kind of getting interesting." Wait a minute, and I think I will shut the windows now. I mean, it was circus peanut orange. That was the color. So amazing.
1: Yeah, it's definitely becoming a reality for all of us. The impacts of the climate crisis, and also, you know, the, on the larger economy. So, I think yeah. it's helpful to note, you know, some of these milestone moments for folks who are a little newer to the ESG landscape of where this started to right. gain momentum. And I think it's it's only speeding up as it gets more visibility, both in the political sphere and the news sphere. Yeah. And one thing that we like to note in the space is that. You know, we've been asking for so long for people to pay attention to us. Yeah. And now they are. And we're like, oh, okay. Well doctor. Oh, care so now you want to pay attention. Now that this guy's a orange. <laughs> All right. Okay.
0: You're just yeah. gonna have to put up with me using this tone for about two minutes and then I'll welcome you in. So <laughs> <laughs> Well, so but, yeah. a question that I always have is Why philanthropy is part of this? Because it's always about business growth and business operations and the like. And I've seen various companies, uh, Walmart is one, uh, but they're not the only one, where the ESG head is also the head of their philanthropic work. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of interesting.
1: Yeah. So I think for me... My understanding of philanthropy falling under the ESG umbrella is really in the S bucket. So, social, and when we think about people driven work, so this is, you know, employee relations work, but also philanthropy as we think about donations to nonprofits and how businesses are trying to make a positive community impact. You know, companies giving usually aligns with the commitment to social responsibility and having a positive impact in the broader communities where they operate directly or the customer communities that they're addressing. So that's where I think the the overlap comes from.
0: Because I often think of the S, even though the word is social, as I think of it as the DE&I work, like internally, or, you know, the recruitment, retention and advancement issues. And then, yeah, I mean, that's obviously, that's even more social. That's more S than the diversity work is how the the brand socializes itself in the communities that it's part of. So,
1: okay. I'll I'll, buy, I'll allow it. <laughs> yeah. One one quick note on that, though, is that folks who are listening have probably figured out that all of the topic areas that we're touching upon, whether it's the carbon emissions and operations, the philanthropy, the legal and governance that is touching now almost every department within a company. And as we know, as much as we try to promote collaboration and cross-functional engagement, it is hard to get people on the same page about such a breadth and depth of topics. And so I think one of the unique opportunities and challenges of the ESG umbrella, as we think about kind of these different spaces of purpose-driven business is how do you get everyone on the same page? Yeah, really, that's a challenge to business across the board. But now we're seeing it in this space, and I think there's some really unique opportunities that we're going to be discussing around how communications can help with that alignment. Well,
0: and to that point, when it comes to engaging ESG, uh-huh, uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh. so we're going to go deeper into this. But to create a cohesive comms framework, I mean, what does it take? I mean. I know I feel better, like I can't boil the ocean, I don't want to cover everything because I'll be running in every direction, but when I have a clear narrative to work with, it's so much easier. And, And it's not restricting, I would like to say to our fellow comms people, it actually empowers you to be more creative in the topics that you're going to cover. But what are the pieces do you think that we should be touching on, on putting together A framework around comms.
1: I like to make it up as I go. (laughs) Okay, all right, I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. Anyone that knows me knows that I love a spreadsheet. I love a process. I love a system. Color coded. Bring on the brief. Yes. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you know, I think the future is really this kind of concept of mainstream green. That it's not that you're talking about sustainability. And uh, social and governance work as an add-on to your broader comm strategy, but actually that it's woven through. It matches yeah. up with the values of the company. It matches up with the North Star business strategies. And anyone who is working in this space of uh, ESG and comms knows that it's not just within their company. But as, as Jen noted earlier, this is something that suppliers are asking for, customers are asking for, investors are asking for. So what if you start providing this information more proactively? and do so mm. in a way that they are uh, excited to read it it's an engaging story but also has you know the nuts and bolts of the data sets that they're looking for as well and that that is the the cherry on top you know trying to figure out how to share all that information and do so in a way that meets the criteria of all the stakeholders that you're trying to appease and engage
0: <laughs> it truly is appeasement sometimes but yes <laughs> but so so that tees up what we're going to be talking about and I've absolutely loved this discussion because I always learn so much from you. But we're going to work on now as we tease out these elements that we've been touching on here and there that go into creating an effective ESG com strategy after you've written that 140-page report that no one will read. Am I being a little harsh?
1: No, I don't think you're being <laughs> too harsh. I, not at all. And I think, you know, just really want to note that when we talk about ESG, it's really a fundamental business strategy that if you uh, don't include it, you're really going to have a lot of uh, branding risk. And you know, it's not just about communicating your commitment, but really about truly embodying it. And so many of the organizations that I've had the privilege to work for or learn more about are doing great work, but people don't know about it. And yeah. so we're really excited to share with you some tips and tricks of how we can get your story out there better to be communicating about this important work because while some people enjoy reading a 140 page report I think other people are looking for more of a a real format I think you need to name (laughs) those actual people because I think you can count them on one hand (laughs) probably, probably but yeah, we'll have many ideas to share about how to make that report which we know many of you are producing annually work harder for you and your brand and your stakeholders so join us next time to break it all down
0: thank you for joining us on Engaging ESG. Have a question for us to consider or a strategy you'd like us to cover? Email us today at engagingesg@gmail.com. at gmail.com.
1: Please remember to rate, review and subscribe to Engaging ESG today. It helps us grow and even better, be sure to share the podcast with your favorite sustainability, diversity or social impact colleague. And until next time, keep engaging.